Rachel Newman uh, is our next speaker. She loves that people are controlled by motivations they don't understand and that she does. There's a power play there. Currently teaching while undertaking a master's in applied econo econometrics. She once stood on the foot of Hal Varian, the chief economist of Google. <laughs> Rachel. Um, I got a phone call from Aaron about two weeks ago asking me to speak. And I had a brilliant idea to speak about an economist. It was my favourite economist, but I was pretty sure that nobody would have any idea who she was. So I thought perhaps today I would speak about who I consider to be the most influential and important economist of our times, John Maynard Keynes. In fact, I think he's so important based on the fact that every single macroeconomic student, first year micro, first year macro, undergraduate commerce student is going to learn all of his theories. But I was convinced that he would be on what I Googled to be the top most 100 people who've changed the world, ever. I thought he would surely be in the top 20. The top three were all religious figures. And I scrolled down further and further, and unfortunately found him at number 80, which really surprised me. So I'm going to set some context and explain why he's so important and why everyone should know a little bit more about him. It's October the 28th, 1929 in the US and we have the great stock market crash. In one day, the US Dow Jones falls by 12%. The next day, it falls by another 12%. Over the next six months, we see the basis points fall by about 80 points. Um, and then throughout the next four years, things start to get worse and worse. We've had this wonderful period of the Great Gatsby with the 20s, where everybody is just rolling in money and enjoying life so much. And then all of a sudden, this crash happens. Actually, there was a little bit of a joke made at hotels at the time. Um, investment bankers used to come to check into hotels and they would ask them, oh, are you here for sleeping or for jumping? That's, uh, mm, yeah, it's not good. It got worse. So um, over the next four years, the American GDP fell by about $20 billion every year. So um, during the Great Depression, you would have a town, for example, in Muncie, Indiana, uh, one in four factory workers were actually laid off within that period. The unemployment rose to 9, million, nine billion people. 9 million people, sorry. So that's looking at basically the whole of Melbourne just being unemployed. Um, 85,000 businesses failed. So, oh, sorry, 9,000, 9 million savings, account, savings accounts wiped out, which is the entire of Melbourne, and 23 million Australians, that's actually quite a lot of people, 14 million unemployed, so more than half of Australia unemployed. 85,000 failed businesses. Now, you'd think that the person who came along and saved the world from the Great Depression, just to put it lightly, would be a beautiful... Um, a lovely soul, someone who's looking to make the world a better place, very altruistic. And if we look at John Maynard Keynes, who undoubtedly is responsible for that, he's completely different to what you would expect. This is a man who was born into a wealthy, upper-class English aristocratic family. He went to Eton, followed by Cambridge, and was a rower. Incredibly brilliant man, very, very talented. 
they, told, they say that at six he was already learning about interest and calculating interest. At seven he was having the political discussions of an adult and was a joy to have a discussion with. At eight he had devised and constructed treaties with all of the other classmates in his school and had two slaves that he had organised to follow him around and do his homework and carry his books for him. He was the man that Bertrand Russell said he would hate to get into an argument with. On the side, he liked to write mathematics treatises and philosophical novels. Um, and at the same time, he was also an economist. Brilliant, brilliant man. He finished from Cambridge and decided to uh, go into the public service. So he had to sit some entrance exams. He thought it would be better to not study at all, to which everyone just assumed he was taking it for a joke. They didn't believe him that he was serious. And he said, no, actually, I'm going to, get an, I'm going to be the top t in the top ten applicants. Just wait and see. So he took the exams. And in fact, he, was the second, he got the second highest score without even studying. And his lowest mark was actually in economics. And he replied that was because the markers didn't understand the economy well enough. <laughs> in fact, that turned out to be true. So prior to this time, the, the way that the economy was managed was by something we call austerity and the free markets. Adam Smith is the founder, the founding father of economics and he had decided or discussed the idea of self-interest and people making decisions and doing what they do because they're actually looking out for number one. So the famous quote goes that it's not from the benevolence of the butcher, the brewer or the baker that we get our daily bread. It's because of their regard to their own self-interest. And what he was saying there is that we go out to the supermarket and we go and buy things. It's not because the people who are making them want us to be happy and well-fed. It's actually because they're trying to make money and look out for themselves. And that was the premise on the way the entire of the economy was run throughout Europe um, before that time and in the US as well. So in terms of the modern economy, and modern, let's, let's say 1929 is modern, and prior to that, um, governments would actually implement that idea of self-interest by having, during times of trouble, they would raise taxes and decrease spending and really focus on keeping a very, very balanced budget. That was the way the economy was managed up till this time. The Great Depression was something that people had never seen before. It went on for four years and it got worse and worse and worse. And they talk about the songs, the theme songs that were playing during that time. At the beginning of the Great Depression in 1929, it was sort of like, uh, unfortunately the lyrics have slipped my mind, but the themes were sort of more, oh, next year we'll be fine. Then the, next, the following year, it was time to start saving. The year after that, it was, could you lend me $5? <laughs> Just to give you a little bit more of an idea of how bad things were, so um, the average wage of women in a factory was 25 cents at the end of the Great Depression and about 25% of those women were working for less than 10 cents an hour, an hourly wage. So you're looking at a huge number of people that are unemployed, miserable. Um, it's nothing that people had ever seen before. And the fact that it continued for so long, everyone was absolutely shocked. So Keynes's idea in a nutshell, is that in recessions or when the economy starts to get into a bust is that firms are actually going to start failing because the private sector stops investing, stops spending money. Consumers and, and private firms stops in stop investing, stop spending money and the economy starts grinding to a halt or something we call stagnating. 
he talked about this idea called the paradox of thrift, which some of you may have heard of. Um, and that's the idea that individuals will see that the economy is bad and start to panic. There's not much we can do about the panic, unfortunately. But as a result of the panic, they'll be saving all of their money and spending even less because they're worried that they'll need it in the future. That actually exacerbates the problem of the economy grinding to a halt because all of a sudden firms who are relying on customers regularly to spend money in their stores are no longer getting that income. Firms start failing, failing firms fire people, people don't have money, they stop spending, it gets worse. It goes on and on and on and that's what happened during the Great Depression. Keynes revolutionised economics and the way we think about it because he came along and said that austerity and dealing with the situation by increasing taxes and stopping government spending was not the way to go. He was one of the first economists who came out and spoke very much against this idea. He said that because, we're, in fact, we've stopped all this private spending and stopped all this private investing, the government has to actually come in and compensate for that. And he looked at it on a very day-to-day -day level as well. He would go out with friends to a bar like this and, so, and if he saw a waiter that wasn't doing anything, so sorry if you guys back there, <laughs> if he saw a waiter or a waitress, well, it was a waiter in 1929, I guess, um, that wasn't really doing very much, he would actually purpose, purposely drop napkins on the floor and drop things on the floor and just to give them work, just to give them something to do. And it was this idea that he applied then to the whole economy, which is where this idea of government intervention and stimulus comes from. And we all know about stimulus, right, because two years ago or three years ago, or 2009 was a bit longer than that, uh, in 2009 we all got lovely checks from the government to encourage us to spend. So why would we do that? Well, this is exactly why we do that, so that we can prevent people from becoming victims of the paradox of thrift. As soon as the recession started, that panic sets in, that loss of consumer confidence, which means that people, even if you don't think you're doing it, you probably are, they start saving more than they were before, reducing their spending. And in fact, while you think that's good for the individual, because then you'll be able to afford more later, that's actually extremely bad for the economy in the long run. So we need the government to come in and put some money into the into the economy somehow. And one of the ways you can do that is by handing out $900 checks to your constituents. Another thing that Keynes is famous for is this idea of digging holes in the ground, which is just an extension really on the napkin scenario. He said that if there is no jobs, if people are unemployed, the governments would be better off by actually paying people to dig holes in the ground and then put the dirt back in later. In fact, even though they're not actually doing anything productive, at least those people then have jobs, which means they then can go out and spend money. It was a very revolutionary idea. Um, so I guess that's why Keynes, for me, is the most influential economist we can think of, especially because this is a debate that is still going on today. So you hear a lot about, maybe you've heard names like Krugman, Stiglitz, um, those are the people who say we probably should be following a little bit more of what Keynes is saying. Um, on the other hand, there are a lot of people who are really still quite concerned about balanced budgets. I'm not here to say whether it's right or wrong, I'm just telling you that Keynes changed the way we thought and now it's something that's still right, that debate of whether or not it's better to spend more in times of a recession or a bust or spend less is still something we're not quite sure about and that's going to change depending on any country. However, it did work for the US and the Great Depression. That's why I think it's so amazing. Keynes also wrote a lot of fantastic, fantastic work. He's very satirical. Um, and another reason why 
I'd like to talk about him. And what I'm going to finish off with is just a quote that, um, from, Quain, from Keynes, just about how if you think that economics is not relevant to you, maybe, you know, I know there are a lot of doctors and um, geneticists in here and biologists, which is fantastic. I'm really excited because I actually don't really hear much about that sort of stuff. It's great. Um, however, it's actually extremely a huge part of your life to be involved with economics, even if you don't think it is. So with the $900, um, with what's going on in the economy, it might have nothing to do with you, but John Maynard Keynes actually affected everybody so much. Um, so this quote from his just says that the ideas of economists and political philosophers, both when they are right and wrong, are more powerful than is commonly understood. Indeed, the world is ruled by little else. Practical men who believe themselves to be quite exempt from any intellectual influence are usually the slaves of some defunct economist. Mm, interesting. Um, I'm just going to leave you with a final thought that we are here at a bar. And his main regret in life, being so brilliant, was that he did not drink enough champagne. So um, make sure you drink some tonight. And thank you.